Good morning. Oh. Shucks. You're just trying to make me feel good because you know you feel bad for me because I have to go after Mia, right? I know. I know. Big shoes to fill. Mia did an amazing job last week. Who was who here and experienced that? Received her message. It was awesome. I'm still pondering some of those topics on reconciliation. Um, but yeah, it, last week was great. I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Pastor Roy and Pastor Christina. I, it says a lot about uh, the leadership of this house. Um, you know, when you got so many leaders being raised up in that, this house and given the opportunity to, to speak from this platform, it says a lot about the, the senior leadership giving us those opportunities, but also acknowledging you need a, you need a break sometimes. You're human. So just understanding that is such a great place to be and just being open to that. It's, it's an awesome place, awesome house to be raised up into. Um, I'm very proud to be raising my children here um, in a house like this. Come on, who feels the same way? Yeah, give it up for Pastor Roy and Pastor Christina. They are amazing leaders of the house. This wouldn't be here without you. Thank you so much. Um, but uh, the weather's beautiful outside today. Um, I was asking my wife on the way in, what's the forecast? She said, it's going to be gorgeous. So I won't try to keep you too long today. But then I looked at my notes, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to make it quick then. Um, I want to get you guys out enjoying that weather. I know Pastor Roy loves the weather, loves the hotter it is, the better it is, right? Yeah. Right? No arguments there. Who feels the same? Yeah. And who doesn't like it at all? Who's an indoor cat? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's very polarizing. There's a and very divisive. I think I find we live in a very divisive uh, time. Um, it seems like there's so many hot topics out there you don't want to touch. You know, everyone's fighting. Everyone's, you know, cutthroat these days. Everyone's opinionated. And I don't want to pick up or pick at an old scab, but, um, you know, I think COVID was one of the most divisive times for my generation, at least. You know, all his opinions flying around, um, you know, friends versus friends, family members versus family members, Thanksgivings and Christmases were ruined, right? There's so many opinions around the tables and, and people just stopped talking to each other and it, it got really hectic and crazy and I know I, I don't want to sit on this for too long, but like I, I just want to finish it right here and now, okay? We're going to put a, we're going to end this conversation, all right? Joe Exotic had it coming. And Carol Baskins probably did kill her husband, okay? Let's just stop talking about it. It's over. <laughs> it's over. It's over. We can all agree, all right? So let's forget about it and move on. But it just seems like, I know, people are looking at me like, what, what, what did he just say? I'm like, let's just move past it, all right? <laughs> but, like, it just seems like human, it's human nature. We're always kind of finding reasons to divide, things to argue over, things to divide over. And if you look back at, like, the 1900s, um, you know, we divided over, um, you know, there was segregation, like racial. We divided over racial differences. We divided over uh, social and class differences. Uh, we divided over gender. You know, the, you know women have been fighting for equality for, for, for decades and centuries. And as society, we made a lot of headway. We've come a long way, and I'm very proud to say that. It's a great place to be. But, uh, and I know it's easy as Christians to sit around and say things like, yeah, yeah, the world needs Jesus, Frank. The world really needs Jesus. If they just knew Jesus, there'd be no division. There'd be no, you know, people wouldn't find reasons to divide, right? If they just knew Jesus the way I knew Jesus, the world would be great. And the hardest pill to swallow is that we're no better, right? I don't think this is a secular thing versus a Christian thing. I think this is a human thing. And, you know, and we're seeing the impact of this lie that we've believed in our churches today. And, like, if you don't believe me, like, the, um, the movie The Shack. Who saw the movie The Shack? 
and I, and I always talk about a movie when I talk, just so you know. Um, but yeah, I love that movie. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, I, I, personally, I recommend it. Um, it's about this father who loses a child um, to an abductor, um, and uh, the police find evidence of uh, the crime that was committed in an old shack in the woods. And he gets a note in his mailbox one morning, and this note was saying, hey, meet me at the shack. And he thinks it's a serial killer that's taunting him to come back to the shack for kind of like a final, you know, a final confrontation. Instead, when he gets out there, he has a loaded gun ready to go. He's met by God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And it's a beautiful movie about reconciliation, a beautiful movie about healing, a beautiful movie about letting go and trusting God. And it, it's, it's an amazing movie, the story behind it. But there are so many people out there, so many other Christians they couldn't get over the fact that the producer and the director, for a time being in the movie, portrayed God as a woman. They, they couldn't, they missed it all. They couldn't get over that hump. That was their opinion. How dare they, right? Oh, how dare they? God's not a woman. It's God the Father. You know, but if they actually watched the movie and learned to understand it and realize it's a piece of art and that was the depiction that was given by the producer and the director, um, there's a, there's a, there was a point to it. But they couldn't. They couldn't get over that hill and catch the moral of the story and the beautiful moments that took place. Um, another one was, uh, um, uh, well, if you go on YouTube today, um, and if you're like me, you like to listen to podcasts, Christian podcasts, listen to Christian speakers. But I promise you, as you're scrolling, you'll always find someone who has an opinion, a Christian making a podcast who has an opinion about another Christian's work, whether it's a sermon, whether it's a song lyric, um, you know, and they're like, oh my gosh, they can't say that. What they said, well, th that's blasphemy. I think they're the Antichrist. And it's like, whoa, slow down, slow down, all right, right? He said that from, this, from the platform. He, he has a responsibility. He can't just say that. He must be the Antichrist. And it's like, come on. And I know I'm being dramatic, but it's been said. It, it's, 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 it's happened. It's a, it's a real thing. Um, people jump to that conclusion just because there's a slight difference in opinion. Um, what's another one? Uh, reckless love. We sing it here at church all the time. There are so many people refuse to allow that song in their church because God's not reckless. That's blasphemous. We can't have that. God's not right. God is like, what's that, Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. A wizard arrives exactly on time. God arrives exactly on time. Everything he does has a purpose and is accurate, right? And they're like, God's not reckless. But again, this is art. This is a song. The artist wrote it. He was trying to portray, you know, God loves you so much that he sacrificed his only son and then he, so that he could pursue you in hopes that maybe you'll accept him, Right? That's what he does for us, because he loves you so much, he puts it all on the line for you. And it's a beautiful lyric when you really understand it, but people couldn't get over the fact that God is not reckless. God is exactly on time and accurate, right? Um, what's the other one? Uh, oh, how he loves us. Oh, you know that song? Oh, how he loves us. I'm not, on the, I'm not a singer, but you, you know what song I'm talking about? There's a verse where he says, you know, when heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. It's beautiful. But God doesn't French kiss the world. What? That's weird, right? We can't sing that in our church. That's blasphemous. Whoever wrote that song, he must be the Antichrist. Ah, like, come on. But there are so many people that just couldn't look past that because they were stuck. 
They were stuck and they couldn't see the beauty of what was being portrayed. When God was talking, when the song was really about, and the line was really about how God, Jesus said, you know, as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. He's talking about the collision when we worship God and praise God and how much he loves us is that when heaven comes down and collides with earth, and when I say collide, I'm not talking about a crash. Don't take that literal either. He's talking about the sloppy wet kiss and when it matches together and the beauty of that and how he longs to be in presence with us. Um, but yeah, there were so many people just couldn't get over that. And the, the church has been divided. We've been divided by like numerous factions for hundreds of years. And I don't know about you, but if you're like me, again, this is stretching for me too. This was challenging for me too because I see a lot of this in myself. And I've been working with this over the years. And um, hopefully you feel the same way. But when you meet somebody that's a Christian or a believer, you know, whether it's at work or uh, through a friend of a friend or maybe a family member or, or something like that, you immediately get all excited, right? Oh my gosh, there's another one of me. There's another one, another one for the club, right? And you're like, so you immediately start like, like, uh, like interview, I mean, not interview, having a conversation, I mean, right? You start having a conversation, asking them questions, you know, kind of drilling them, I mean, not drilling them, but um, having a conversation, <laughs> But we may start drilling them with these questions because we're trying to figure out who they are, what they are. Can we be connected? Do we align? Are we the same? And we could ask, you know, what, kind of, what church do you attend? What denomination is that? You know, do you sing hymns in your church? Do you allow instruments in your, in your, in your uh, sanctuaries? You know, does your church affirm homosexual lifestyles? Do you baptize your babies or do you wait for adults to be baptized? Do you sprinkle with water like that salt guy? Or do you do full submersion? You know, and if you're doing full submersion, hopefully it's not with babies because then we'll have another conversation. But <laughs> does your church preach pro-life or, or are you more of a pro-choice church? Um, do your people at your church speak in tongues? Does your church have, you know, cool lights on stage and an awesome worship team? Um, do you believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today? You know, do you guys believe in the power of healing today, that God still heals today, and that you guys lay hands on people in prayer? Do you do, you do these things? And, and once we've gathered enough information, we, we consciously or subconsciously will pigeonhole them. Um, and, and, and it's our way of kind of saying, okay, well, we align here, great. We don't align there. So I need to keep you over here. We, we can't be together. You know, we, we can't have complete community with one another because we're not the same. Um, and I think when we, uh, you know, even as Christians, and I've been guilty of this, um, and maybe this, maybe you have as well, but uh, I think we've even gone as far as to question someone's salvation. This is scary. We've gone so far as to question someone's salvation on how they've answered those questions. Really? Like, imagine the ego I must have had. When I've done that, I'm guilty. I'm guilty um, to think that I have the right, I have the say, I have the knowledge to understand if God truly died for them on the cross because of their opinions and differences. See, we are the body of Christ, and we've been divided over judgment of one another. We've been divided over suspicion of one another, and we've been divided over condemnation of each other. And it's, a, it's, it's all due to a lie that, we've been, that people have been believing for millennia. Really, it's this lie that's been hanging on us. And, and with this lie, we, we've come to call it truth, really, just from the actions in our life. And that lie is, if we don't agree, then we must divide. 
If we don't agree, then we must divide. And right, it only makes sense. If we don't have the same opinions, the same life experiences as others, you know, the same social status as others, you know, we can't be in community together. We can't possibly worship together. We don't agree on stuff. They're, you're different. They're different. You know, like, it's almost like, you know, going somewhere and be like, oh, I can't worship with them. How can you expect me to worship with them? You know, uh, did you know he drinks beer? I think he cheers for the Leafs. And, 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 I, and I hear he drives a Ford. That's gross. Ugh. Ugh, right? Ford people. Ugh. Like, I'm just kidding. I don't mind Ford. My wife hates it. I don't know why. My, my father-in-law worked for Chevy, so it was a four, Ford was a four-letter word in, in the house. But, uh, yeah, they, I'm praying for them. They're going to let it go. <laughs> but ever since Jesus' disciples would argue amongst themselves, you know, who was greater than the others, all the way to when Martin Luther nailed his list of opinions on that church door that one day. Um, opinions exploded and flew all over the place. And just to give you a quick little history lesson on Martin Luther, if you don't know the story, um, in a time when the Bible was weaponized to, con- to control people and to keep people oppressed, Martin Luther uh, rose up, if you want to say, um, the church at the time, the, some church leaders were using the Bible because back then society was very divided uh, by pretty much every, every way you can think of, um, but it was very divided socially. So you had really rich people and really poor people. And the poor people couldn't afford an education, but the wealthy could. And the Bible was in Latin and in Hebrew. And the only people that knew how to read that were the well-educated people. And all the church leaders were well-educated, hence they read the Bible, and they told the people what the scripture said. So the people depended on them to tell them exactly what the Bible says and how God wants them to live and what God wants for them. Um, so a lot of it, and, and, I'll, and I'll keep it PG because it got really horrific, some of the abuse that took place. But for, to simplify it, a lot of it was, um, you know, if you've, if you've sinned or you've done this or that, you know, give us your money and you'll be fine. You know, God will bless you. And that's, I'm just keeping it on the down low, keep it mild today, but there was a lot of abuse that took place. Um, and a lot of it was that. A lot of it was financial. Uh, the church was taking advantage of people. Uh, Martin Luther wanted to see that come to an end. He wanted to see the corruption come to an end. It was over, and, I, and he was a well-educated man. Um, so and I believe he was under the influence of the Holy Spirit, had a burning p- desire to see people set free, had a burning desire to see the people come up with their own opinions, read scripture for themselves so that they can read, and not just know, but also read and understand and know that there's a Father in heaven that loves them so much that there's, he sent his son to die on a cross for them, and nothing else compares for that. He, he's pursuing them as individuals and wants a one-on-one relationship. And I believe that was the desire, and he saw the obstacle that the church was putting in the way at the time. So he went up and he nailed his opinions to the church, saying, I don't believe this, 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 and this. You're getting it all wrong. I believe people have the right to um, uh, read for themselves, know God one, uh, on a personal level, and that we don't need any other obstacles in the way. And he immediately translated the, uh, well, not immediately, but he eventually translated the, the scriptures into German. And so everybody that could speak German and read German was able to read it and discover it for themselves. And then as time went on, more translations went out and more people were able to read for themselves. And then thus, with hundreds of thousands and millions and a billion people now reading the scriptures, that also comes with a hundred thousand, millions and a billion different opinions and interpretations. And I know you're like, well, that doesn't, Frank, that's not efficient. You know, it's very black and white. Why can't they just stay on, stay on track? Like, you know, one opinion, one interpretation. But we've never lived, we all have different stories, right? 
And that's kind of what we've been focusing on, right? Last, you know, few months, you know, know a face, know a name, and know a story. And we all have different stories. We do have all different life experiences. We cannot walk or look at, or look at the world through someone else's eyes. It's impossible. We can only look at it through our own eyes. And, and it's actually a beautiful thing. You know, it's a very beautiful thing that God created us to be so like a tapestry. We're all different. We're all different ethnicities, different cultures, different ways of thinking. Um, we all have different life experiences. So we might, some of us might be more compassionate while others, others of us might be more militant. And there's nothing wrong with either one of those. God's made us all uniquely and wonderfully. Um, I once heard someone say, actually it was um, uh, to their pastor. It was uh, J- James Tripp, Pastor James Tripp. Remember him? He's a, he's a great guy. Um, I was standing next to him when someone approached him and said, Pastor, how can I trust your interpretation of the Bible every Sunday morning? And he was quick. He was like lightning. He was like, they're like, how can I trust your opinion every Sunday morning? He's like, you can't. Go read it for yourself. Right? And I was like, wow, that, that was like a whole, you could preach that for like an hour. And he just summarized it in like one sentence. You can't. Go read it for yourself. Develop your own relationship. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Um, and it's not, I know what you're thinking, like, well, Frank, with all these opinions flying around, there's got to be a right way, right? There's got to, you know, there's a proper interpretation. You know, some things are black and white in scriptures, but with all the opinions and theology being thrown around, there certainly must be a right understanding. Right, right. I'll leave it at that. Yes, there is. Um, you can simply read the scriptures and gain some understanding of what the book is about. But as you pursue a deeper relationship with God, that one-on-one relationship, and you allow the Holy Spirit, not for the words just to be ink on paper, but you allow those words to sink in and allow the Holy Spirit to expose to you, what is the true underlying, what is the context here, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Because again, we're not here, um, we're not here to, to push our opinions on others, we're here to allow the Holy Spirit to change us as individuals. This is a one-on-one relationship. And as we sit and we ponder and, and really dig into the scriptures in a meaningful way, not just to read it, but to really grow from it, then revelation will come. And when we run into other people with different understandings of the scriptures, we need to quickly identify the difference as something that is either essential or non-essential to us being in community with them, right? So again, like we like to pigeonhole people because we're so quick to do that. What if we were just quickly identified is what we're discussing or maybe what we're not fully aligning on or where our differences are, is it essential for me to be in community with them or is it a non-essential? Um, if we are going to be Christ-centered community, then we need to understand what, ac- what exactly being, what is essential for us to be in community together as the body of Christ. And this morning, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be bold enough to tell you exactly what that is. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to tell you exactly what we need to be, or I believe, that we need to be in community together. And it is perfectly summarized. I'm not going to try to, like, stretch it out. Somebody already, you know, somebody already created this idea. Somebody already wrote it down, and it's in the Apostles' Creed. Everyone familiar with the Apostles' Creed? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. So it says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. 
He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen and hallelujah. Right? Like it's, I love how that's worded. It's beautiful. It summarizes it all up. And I don't want you to get hung up on that word Catholic. Is it up there? I don't want you to get hung up on that. See, this, when this was written, um, they were referring to the, um, the, the original definition of the word Catholic, which meant including a wide variety of things, all embracing. Some synonyms were diverse, broad, and all-inclusive, right? So I believe in the all-inclusive church. I believe in a church that has a variety. I believe in an all-embracing church. I believe in a diverse church, a broad church, See, we may have our disagreements, but if we can agree on the fundamentals outlined in the Apostles' Creed and that, and, that you, and that your heart is beating with a love for Jesus and Jesus died for you and my heart's beating with love for Jesus and Jesus died for me, then we must find community together. We must feel comfortable and be able to worship together. Amen? Um, here at Harvest, we believe you, you can belong before you believe. 100%. I think it's a beautiful thing. It's awesome. And for a lot of you, that is the case. You know, you've come here. You, you find a sense of community. You know, you like the vibes, that, the fun energy in the room. We call that the Holy Spirit. All right? <laughs> You're just picking it up. You're picking up on it, which is a great thing. Um, and, I, and I'm a strong believer that once you taste and see the goodness of God, it's irresistible. In fact, I almost believe that if you're coming back and you're enjoying this, I almost think you believe. You just don't know it yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm a strong believer in that. And, then, and if we're going to overcome this lie that, you know, if we disagree, then we must divide, then we have to start replacing that with a truth. And what's that truth? Well, Jesus and the Apostle Paul tell us what the truth is multiple times through Scripture. It's almost hard to miss it, <laughs> but I'm going to lay it out there a few times. Um, the truth is, is that we are called to be one. 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 Just as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, we are to be one. The church, one, the one church, one body. If Jesus died on the cross for you, and Jesus died on the cross for me, and Jesus uh, rose from the dead and defeated death and went to heaven uh, so that I could live eternally with fa the Father in heaven. And Jesus rose from the dead and went to heaven and defeated death so that you can live an everlasting life with the Father. Then we must, we must be in community together. We must be in community together. We must be able to worship together. Jesus said in chapter 17, verse 17 to 21, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too will be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. So how are we to be one? Just like the disciples argued amongst themselves of who is greater, we cannot forget who connects us, right? Picture that scene where the, the disciples are sitting around picking on each other. Well, no, Jesus likes me more. No, Jesus likes me more. Well, he sent me out to do this. Yeah, but he sent me out to do that, and I think that's better. 
they totally forgot that probably in the room next to them was Jesus, the one that united them. Jesus is the one thing that united them. Jesus is who unites us. It was the same Jesus that chased after you. It was the same Jesus that picked you up. It was the same Jesus that died for you, that picked me up. The same Jesus that picked me up. The same Jesus that chased and pursued me. The same Jesus that died for me is the same Jesus that died for you. So we must all be one. Jesus is the common denominator for all of us. This is what it means to be Christ-centered. So what is at your center? What are your essentials in your faith that you need to be in community with one another? See, what must be present for you to live in community with others that might have different opinions? Consider this thought. Really consider it. And this is, it really wrecks me. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? Can you agree on Jesus? And is that enough for you to live in community with one another? Yeah, we might not agree in every detail. You know, we may disagree about a, a, a lot of the details, probably a majority of them, you know. But if your heart beats with a love, a burning love and a desire for Jesus, as does mine, then we must be in community together. Say must. must. Be in community together. There, you said it, not me. <laughs> we must be in community together. And I remember when Father Matthew, remember when Father Matthew from St. Peter's came here and preached? Wasn't that awesome? I remember that morning, and I probably won't forget it, honestly. Um, it was like before even a, a note was strung up here, um, as you were parking your car, really, and before the mic was even turned on, there was an energy, an atmosphere, there was a vibe in the room, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, uh, that was just moving that day. And it was incredible. It was, um, it was almost like as if the Father in heaven was looking down on his children and saw them getting along. And like, as a parent of three boys who are absolutely insane, um, they fight a lot, but once in a while, we're like, it's quiet. It's a dangerous quiet. Actually, actually, you know what? It's not even that case. Sometimes it's really, really noisy. And we'll go in and check on them. And they're just having a blast. Nobody's hurting each other. Nobody's crying. There's no bloody elbows. Nobody's accusing somebody else of throwing a book at their head. Like, it's, it's, it's just awesome. Like, oh, and then I, I, it's almost like he saw it. He was filled with joy. And he just had to come down and be with us. Right? I, I'll never forget that day. It was such a beautiful thing. Um, despite all the differences that we can find between each of us, I strongly believe that if we can agree on that one essential that our hearts burn with the love for our Lord and Savior, Jesus, that we can and we must find community together. See, the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Like, imagine that. Imagine being a slave, sitting down, breaking bread across the table from a slave master. Like, it's just, especially in that time, it's unheard of. It's, it's it, 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 not even something that would be mentioned. It would, you'd probably be locked up if you, if, you, if you did it or people found out about that. But he's saying, no, there is no difference here. We are all the same. We are all the same in, in Jesus. Or, or if you're somebody of high class, sitting at a table across from, um, you know, you're, you're posh, you show up in your um, penguin suit with the big thing and your bow tie, black tie affair type event, sitting across the table from a barbarian, Right, that's, the, that's, what he's, that's what he's portraying here. There, none of that matters. That we are called to be one in Christ Jesus. 
In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, he says, there is neither, he's repeating himself here, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And you know what? Even the act of receiving communion together unites us into the body of Christ. Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him, in remembrance of what was about to take place that night on Calvary, when he was gonna be nailed to the cross, taking the burden of our sin and conquering death so that we may live eternally. First Corinthians says, it is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. It is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many, for we all share the one loaf. So there's not the bodies of Christ. It's not a thing. It's not like we're the body of the body of Christ, the Cornwall faction, or the Cornwall chapter, or the body of Christ, uh, uh, the U.S. chapter, or the body of Christ, uh, Florida chapter, or the body of Christ, uh, we're the Hawaiian chapter. Although if that was a chapter, I'd go there. No questions asked. If that's the way things are structured, I'm gone. <laughs> you can come with me. We'll all go together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, we'll always have differences. That's what makes this interesting. Um, we're even called to think alike. And I know, like, well, Frank, you just talked for, like, what is it, 28 minutes? 28 minutes about how we're all different, how we're supposed to think alike. Yeah, let me, let me clear it up. So we're all called to think alike. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, this is Paul, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one, say one, one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. See, we'll always have differences. That's what makes us interesting. That's what makes the body of Christ in our community so special. It is our diversity. You know, there's so many looking around the room. There's so many different, you know, colors of skin, colors of ethnicity, um, you know, cultures, languages. You know, we're beautiful. Our thoughts and opinions, God created us exactly this way. This, we are all God's creation. And it's a beautiful thing. And he definitely didn't make us boring. That, that's for sure. You should see my family. Um, <laughs> but if we are one-minded, knowing that Jesus Christ is at the center of it all, that's where we're one-minded, knowing that Jesus Christ is at the center of it all and is holy, and trusting that this Holy Spirit is at constant work around us and in us and in them, then we can live in a peaceful community. And we are not called to simply tolerate each other. Eh, no, we're not here to call. I know that word gets tall around. Oh, you know, we got to tolerate them, tolerate that, tolerate this. You know, do it, tolerate for Jesus. No, we're not called to do that. You know, and if you remember when Jesus uh, in the scriptures said, um, you know, if you're, if you're angry at someone, that's equivalent to murder. Or if you think lustful thoughts about someone, you know, that's equal to idolatry. Well, Jesus is always anteing it up. He's always, he's like, oh, you think this? Well, I think that. And I'm Jesus, so, you know. Um, he does it again here. Um, we're not called to tolerate each other. We're called to love one another. And that goes far beyond just putting up with people. Yeah, it's true. It goes far beyond just putting up with people. Far beyond that. Um, one of my favorite Bible stories is the criminal on the cross. 
Um, when Jesus was crucified, died, and you know, was hung on the cross to die, there was a criminal on another cross next to him. Uh, the scriptures tell, you know, they make it very clear that this criminal had an understanding of who Jesus was. Um, he knew about his ministry. Um, and this criminal, as he hung on the cross, was fully aware of the crimes he committed and that he deserved his punishment. Like, we don't know exactly what he was up to or what crimes he committed, but it was worthy of a crucifixion. So he was, he was being convicted of some pretty serious things. And he was aware of his crimes. But he must have been nailed to that cross, looking over as Jesus was raised next to him. And he must have been in complete disbelief. Because he's like, I know what I did to deserve this. And I've heard stories of this man. And I know what his ministry is about. His biggest crime is that he brought hope to the people and healing to the land. What? This, this doesn't make sense. And it was in this moment, this beautiful moment, this, I, I just like to imagine that this criminal started piecing things together. Piecing things together. If this, then that. If he, I'm here and I've done this and he, he's done really nothing to deserve this. And this is, what is happening right here? Could he be the son of God? Why, does, why do the church leaders hate him so much? And in, I believe in an act of desperation. He says to Jesus, Jesus, will you remember me? Again, he knows he's not deserving. He knows what his punishment is well-deserved. And anything Jesus has to offer, he's not deserving of. He's not asking, Jesus, can you save me? Jesus, can you figure this out for me? Can you make my problems go away? He's saying, Jesus, I deserve this. But when you enter your kingdom tonight, can you just remember me? Can I just be a thought? When you go with it, can you just, I know I don't deserve it, but I'm just gonna ask, will you remember me? And Jesus responds in typical Jesus fashion. You know, he's always upping the ante. He says, truly I say to you, today, not tomorrow, not in a week from, not when you understand my theology, not when we align on stuff, not until you've read the entire Bible and write me a book report, not until we can figure things out together, not until we're perfect unison, perfectly in sync. No, he says, truly I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. You're not gonna be a thought in my mind because we're gonna be together. You will be with me in paradise. And I think in that moment, if Jesus can love that deeply in a moment like that, bloody on a cross, and being in communion with a criminal, then so can we, right? And that same invitation is extended to you today. Regardless of your differences, opinions, your quirks, Jesus is inviting you to a personal relationship with him. No questions asked, come as you are, bring all your baggage, you know, even bring the kitchen sink and your mother-in-law, doesn't matter, bring it all. And if you wanna receive Jesus' invitation this morning, I would love to say a prayer with you this morning. It's equivalent to the criminal crawling out to him on the cross, Jesus, remember me. We are gonna call out to him now. And if that's you this morning, I just wanna encourage everyone to bow your heads right now and allow me to lead us in a prayer. And if you wanna accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now, just repeat after me. And it'd be great if everyone would repeat it just to show you know, that we are unified as one body, praying together. 
Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins and be the center of my life. Walk with me and lead me each day. And remember me when you enter your kingdom. Amen. Well, if you just said that prayer for the very first time, I want to encourage you, please tell somebody. Tell somebody. Don't leave today. And don't leave today and keep it to yourself. We have awesome, first of all, I'm going to tell you this. We have awesome ushers, all in green shirts, all around the room, on your way out today. Please let them know that you said that prayer and you meant it. For those of you online, just type it in the chat. Just say, I made that prayer. Type anything. Just let someone know. It's critical to let somebody know that you just made the best decision of your life to allow Jesus to lead you and guide you through this life. Well, this is where I'm done. But let's, why don't we just stand together and just worship a little bit more as one body of Christ. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will Uh, the topics to each of the speakers that are speaking. 
and I purposely gave them the topics that I gave them. Um, and this particular one this morning, it, I really, this needs no add-on. It was just absolutely amazing. Um, Frank, you did an amazing job with a very difficult topic. Yeah. I told him because you're the one that went to Bible college, you gotta, you, you gotta get the heart tablet. But he handled it with poise and he handled it with excellence. Um, and we're living in a day, uh, we're seeing, I mean, we've been around church life since we were kids. Um, I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm 60 in August. And uh, we've seen some stuff. And we've actually seen during the 80s and 90s where the body of Christ was really beginning to embrace. I mean, prior to that, um, in London where we grew up, uh, you went to a Pentecostal church. There was a Baptist church across the street. They would have sign wars. They would have sign wars. And on the front lawn for their Sunday morning message, if the Pentecostal church was uh, coming here about speaking in tongues, the Baptist church would put up tongues of the devil. They would have sign wars. And we saw how ridiculous that was. And then during, you know, that was in the 70s as we were a little bit younger. And then um, late 80s and 90s, the body of Christ really began to see that we're on the same team. We're trying to win the world and there are essentials and non-essentials. And we say it this way, um, when we're building, building kingdom things together, um, we are going to align with people that we're building this with the same building materials and that, and that matters, it's important. But blessing, I can bless everyone in, in, in the kingdom. We can bless them, help them, stand with them. Um, and, and, and so, that happened during those times, and there were things like, "Hey, the wheat, the you know, the the the, the wheat of the uh, of the, the, the Jesus saying that the the unsaved are like you know the harvest and white unto harvest, and the wheat, the opportunity is so high, you can't see the fences anymore, you can't see the differences anymore." Well, we have swung way past that, and I don't know if it's a COVID thing or, but narcissism was something that. Paul fought against when he was writing the scriptures to us in the New Testament. And Gnosticism was um, something very evil, and it was a worship of knowledge. And it was people who were trying to be smart with the scriptures, study the scriptures and be smart with that by coming up with what they said it, it means and, and then presenting that uh, in a way that was very divisive. And Paul just said, stop it. Like, stop it. We worship God. We don't worship the Bible. Someone's going to choke on that. You're going to go, oh, we're really funky and we're here in Harvest this morning saying some wild things. They began to worship their knowledge of the Bible. The Bible says this is the truth. If you've ever met somebody like that, they're grumpy and they don't always really represent Jesus. But they sure know their Bible. And what happens is it becomes extreme. And we have looped back again that the divisiveness in the body is very, and the, and the lines are being drawn. And what I love about this message is first, we are a beautiful community at Harvest. We don't all, we don't all exactly agree on everything. And we're all growing and we're all learning. That doesn't mean we throw everything to the wind and anything goes. And he was very careful and I love how there are absolutes, there is truth, and there are absolutes. But we love here first, and then we love outside of here and embrace our brothers and sisters. 
I mean, one of my closest friends is Father Matt, and they've just recently moved him. Our relationship's gonna go on, and he'll probably come again and be back. He loves Jesus with his whole heart. When I go out to lunch with him, and I need a pastor, he just knows. He looks me in the eye, and he begins to just talk to me in a way that I can just unpack. And we do confession without the... <laughs> the booth as brothers. Well done, Frank. Thank you so much. As a church, we want to be a loving community that loves one another. We build with some, we bless everyone, and we move forward for the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you so much. Actually, I'm not going to pray. You're going to pray. Okay. I thought I was just standing here to look good. You do look good, though. I mean, you always just stand here and look really good. <laughs> Just have to remind you sometimes I'm here, right? No. Hey, I just want to also say, Frank, great job. Honestly, I was busting your chops, but you know, we've known you since a young teenage boy. You hung out in our house with our boys when you guys were young. We're just super proud of you. Super proud of who you've become. Tiffany, your family. Yeah. You guys are doing it. And um, as your sort of maybe spiritual parents, hey, we're proud of you. You're, you're number one. Awesome job. Father, we just thank you thank for today, you, God. We thank you for words of clarity, words of simplicity that we can understand, God. And just deep words, Father. I just bless this, this, our congregation today, God. As we leave this auditorium and we go on to our lives through this week, God, that we can take these words with us and ponder them in our hearts. And God, just protect everyone through this week and bring us all back next week. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. If you need prayer this morning, our prayer team is ready to stand with you. Believe for miracles.